0: Again, good morning uh, to everyone. Good to see you all here. Uh, Today we have um, a sermon that is based on the idea of the great invitation. A great invitation is offered here in our gospel lesson. And we begin today with the fishermen by the sea of Tiberias in the days following the resurrection. But even though we begin there by the sea, we will not end there. The shepherding God's flock is too great a responsibility, too all-encompassing and essential to the life of the church. The idea of the shepherd as the protector and the guide is an ancient metaphor. It is embedded in the meta-narrative Holy Scripture. You think of the entire grand story of Scripture. Think of Moses. Think of David. If you have a Bible, you might be familiar with the 34th chapter of the book of Ezekiel, shepherding God's people. Now it includes the idea and the fact of the under shepherds, people like myself under-shepherds of Jesus Christ, people like Father Manoj and and Mother Meredith and Deacon Kathy and Deacon Corby, those who have been called to the ordained ministry, under-shepherds of the Great Shepherd. His expressions are found in, in your personal and your professional interactions. And as I said, it is key to understanding the life and mission of the church. For if the church is the body of Christ in the world, then it is also tasked with the awesome role of shepherding God's people. All of these manifestations, all of these expressions are guided by how we respond to Jesus' piercing question to Peter. Do you love me? And by his charge to Peter, feed my sheep. This is the language of of discipleship, love, feeding, following, and remembering that we are his sheep. He has come for Peter, sought him out for a special role, and to show him that even the weakest and the most fallible among us can be redeemed, and renewed, strengthened, and transformed. That's a lesson for all of us, even the weakest among us. The denier can become the proclaimer. The coward can become the bold leader with a little help from his friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. At this point, Peter has seen the risen Lord twice. He has even heard Jesus say, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And perhaps, indeed, Jesus meant for Peter and the rest to go back to Galilee because that is where we find them, on their old stomping grounds, casting their nets as if the previous years had never happened. Nothing strange, really, in that response. The past can exert a powerful hold on us. Even now, as we leave the worst of the the pandemic, our steps are tentative and unsure. Can we really throw away our masks and live like we used to? Can we move from the time of upheaval and lamentation? Must we continually consider the revelation and changes forced upon us? I'm going fishing, Peter says. And we'll go with you, the others say. And then Jesus appears there on the shore. There will be no going back. It is time for the fisherman to become a shepherd. Simon, son of John, do you love me? He asks the question three times. Perhaps... One for each denial. Each one bringing Peter ever closer to his Savior. The question is for all of us. Do you love me? Jesus does not want an easy, knee-jerk answer like the first response that Peter gives. Lord, you know that I love you. No, there is serious work to do. Feed my lambs. Again and again, he asked, driving the point deeper, sending Peter and us and the church into a more probing and honest self-examination. Do you love me? There was a reclamation project going on there after this breakfast by the sea. One commentator notes that, in one sense, Peter is the perfect choice. To be the shepherd. For who better? Who better to take on the role of seeking and saving the lost than one who had been lost? One who had fallen away from Christ and cried when he heard the roosters crow? Who, after being restored, was better suited to act on Jesus' words? I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold, and I must bring them in also. Scripture tells us that, indeed, Peter did take up the mantle of Jesus Christ. All you have to do is read the opening chapters of the Acts of the Apostles. And in his first epistle, there in the fifth chapter, he, he leaves these words for us fellow shepherds. Tend the flock of God that is in your charge, exercising the oversight not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do it. Be examples to the flock. Those words have a special meaning for anyone who has put on the collar. They are, as I said, reminders that we are under shepherds, mere servants of the great shepherd. And yet, we are charged with leading you with feeding you, with ministering to you as fellow members of the body of Christ. And you recall the first line of Psalm 23. Anyone? First line of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. That is what you say. That is what I say. That is what Bishop Sutton says. That is what presiding Bishop Michael Curry says. That is what the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby says. That is what Pope Francis says. The Lord is my shepherd. To remind all of us that we are sheep of his flock. Sinners of his own redeeming. The great Bishop Saint Augustine says, You are his sheep. And we, referring to the clergy, We are His sheep along with you because we are Christians. We feed you, and we are fed together with you. We feed on the life found in this community of love, on the Holy Word that leads us into all truth, and on the blessed sacrament of Christ's body and blood that we enjoy as we sang in the beginning of the service, the Victory Feast of our God. Alleluia! With this idea of shepherding, as I say, it is not just limited to the life of the church. Parenthood is a form of shepherding as is teaching, coaching, advising, being present. I'm reminded of an encounter with uh, in seminary with uh, my academic advisor and shepherd, uh, the uh, Reverend J. Robert Wright, who has gone on to glory. Many of you might know of my uh, ongoing troubled love affair with the Greek New Testament, because it's a bear, and I struggle with it. But um, this affair, this engagement that I have had for now, going on nearly 17 years, almost didn't happen without Father Wright. If you've studied any foreign language, you know sometimes the the introduction to that can be really, really, really difficult. And Greek was no different. We struggled in the first weeks and first sessions. People dropped out of the class daily. Every session there'd be maybe two people less. Some of them just almost dancing out of the door, singing, my bishop says I don't have to take a biblical language, and off they went. And then I get my quiz paper. Red mark, red mark, red mark, C minus, D plus. D plus? I'm Dion Thompson. I, I don't get a D plus. So I threw myself at the mercy of Father Wright, expecting to get something from him. Father, this course is kicking my butt. People are leaving this course. I don't know what to do. Father Wright said, well, you could always drop the course. Drop the course? Are you implying that I can't handle Greek? Is that what you're saying? Drop the course? I redoubled my efforts and continue to this day. Part of the shepherd's call is to know the sheep what makes them tick. And what of the church? Aren't we also, as I said, called to shepherd and tend the communities in which we worship, to be present to the community, to know the community? There in Jeremiah, it says, you know, to to seek the welfare of the community in which you are placed. This is an understanding that can inform and enliven our ministries and our relationships. For in feeding, we too are fed. To put Augustine's words in a wider context, those of you who go to the Stanton Center or who go to the Lighthouse or who go throughout the world in your walks, in your daily ministry, feeding and being fed. Today's gospel closes with two words of instruction. Follow me, after the questions, after the confessions, these two words ring out this great invitation. Follow me with love, compassion, and humility on this often perilous, trying, dangerous journey of faith, follow me in kneeling before the wash basin of servanthood, follow me to the cross of sacrifice, symbolically and perhaps in reality, as Peter did, as the gospel predicted, legend says he was crucified upside down. So many others of the flock have also sacrificed in reality their lives following follow me he says into the dark tomb of mystery and then follow me into the light of resurrection into the new age do you love me saint anne's he asked then feed my sheep and follow me and together We will lead the people of God, that wonderful, tumultuous, and sacred flock into the land of promise in this life and in the life eternal. Amen.